When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. If you are enjoying the show, and I hope you are, I wanted to mention our Patreon because that is the best thing that you can do to support the show if you are so inclined. Patrons get access to every podcast a week early without any of the ads. There's also members-only channels in the Discord that I am super active in. I do Q&As, I do some giveaways, and for everyone who has asked, there's also a way to have me review your music or artwork or anything else that you would like to get my eyes or ears on. Every month, I do a call for submissions on Patreon. You post your work in the comments, and then I will review it live on Twitch and then post them to YouTube for everybody on Patreon as well. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, there's a link to that in the show notes for this podcast. I want to talk about this because I think uh, he raises some very interesting points and questions here. Uh, He's a friend of mine, good guy. In this video from his uh, latest viewer comments, I don't know if he coined this term, but I really like this idea of desktop metal. He raises some interesting questions about desktop metal and the death of the band. Let's watch this and then I will give you my thoughts. Desktop metal. Now that is a great subgenre name for all the drum sample, bedroom, guitar recording music for everyone that thinks they're the next Polyphia or Animals as leaders. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far. Hey, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with dreaming big for some people. It actually happens. I mean, like everybody in every fucking major metal band. I mean, who would have ever thought the Polyphia would be as big as they are? Like last I looked, I think they had like 700,000 monthly Spotify listeners or something. Who's to say that you couldn't be the next Polyphia? There's no reason throughout the history of the genre probably started out as a kid in his bedroom fucking playing his guitar no it's great to aspire to that it's it's great to to want big things to happen you've got to put the work in obviously and just the way how rent is going these days i don't know i mean this is a this is a great point uh and i the first thing i looked is where is seattle i see seattle is like not much cheaper than new york It's more expensive than L.A., more expensive than Singapore. It's true. It is expensive just to fucking exist, especially in any of the cities that most musicians would want to live in. How many people actually have the ability to play with a live drummer anymore? It's fucking impossible to afford anywhere to live. One of the things that lots of people like him would say is like, Gojira doesn't need programmed drums. Why do you? When you live in a city where it costs $4,000 a month for a two-bedroom apartment like it does in Seattle and L.A. and lots of other places, it's just not an option. So I've always found that kind of a dumb boomerish take from people who are like anti-drum sample. Burrito Cat, thank you very much. 
Dream used to be get a job, work hard, have a family, you know, own a home, all that shit. Now it's like work hard and then meet up with three other people and maybe you can split the rent. That's a great big shit sandwich that unfortunately a lot of young people are having true. to take a bite of. I'm not going to disparage people out there for sitting at their desktops writing music. I'm, unfortunately, that's become the reality yep. of the situation and there's just no way to get together and afford a rehearsal space for a lot of people. When you can barely afford the rent in your apartment... The idea of also, you know, having a rehearsal space with this nice backline and stuff, it's crazy. No easy answer for that question, but I'm definitely curious to hear your thoughts on where things are going. Very curious to hear that. Leave a comment below. Let me hear. Let's hear from you guys. He made some good points there, and I just kind of wanted to kind of extend that and talk about also this idea of the death of the band, which he raises as well, because I think these two things go hand in hand. I don't think they're a bad thing. You know, the idea of playing in a band is one of these just like sacred cows that exists in rock. Also, the idea that you have to play shows and you have to go on tour and uh, that albums are better than singles and that bands are like the most important thing. These are like central kind of tenets of of rockism that have been true for, you know, decades, but that doesn't mean that they are always going to be true or they have to be true or that if they stop being true, that's a bad thing. I really question whether bands need to exist in the future or not. If you want to be in a band, by all means do it, but there's a lot of reasons why a band might not make sense. And I wanted to just kind of talk about those. Number one is the economics of it. Second reason why it's difficult is just logistically. Musicians are not the easiest people in the world to work with, right? I mean, that's what I always tell them. Like, no, you're playing it wrong. Duh. Anybody that's been in a band has experienced this. It's hard enough to find people that you like on a personal level that also have similar kind of taste in music into you that are decent people that will also show up on time is a very small number of people, especially when we're talking about like prog and stuff like that. Like how many drummers are out there that can play, you know, gent in your city that also check all those boxes? Like probably two, if you're lucky, just coordinating four or five people is really hard, especially when people have jobs and families and school and stuff like that. It's really hard. And then creatively, I think it's not necessarily ideal either. So you know, you think of the perfect situation is being in a band with three or four or five other people that are like awesome humans that inspire you and all show up with great ideas and they all help write these songs and you guys sit in a room and jam and together you make this amazing piece of art that you guys all contributed to, right? But is that the real world? <laughs> if you've ever been a band, that does not match reality, does it? There's the fucking bassist who barely knows how to play his shit and never has any ideas. And then there's the other guitarist who wants to do something completely different from the rest of the band. And then there's the vocalist that just wants to hog the spotlight all the time and the drummer that overplays or that can't play the stuff that you want to write, blah, blah, blah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. I can make it big if I wanted to, but I don't want to put all the other guitarists to shame. In reality, I would say that the creative compromises probably are more likely to be a net negative versus like the collaborations, unless you find a really, truly special group of people, which is not very common. And then there's also the economic side of it. Like it is hard enough to make money for music. We all know this, right? Let's say that you magically do make money on a tour, which most people don't. Most people lose money on tours. Let's say you do make a little bit of money on Spotify. Now you got to split that five ways. So if the band makes, let's say the band made $50,000 in a year, which most bands don't, and you split it five ways, that's $10,000, $6,000 each after taxes, 500 bucks a month. 500 bucks a month is cool, but definitely not anything that's like anywhere close to being able to live on it, right? As opposed to if you had one person who could just take that whole $50,000, well, maybe you could live off $50,000 a year, depending on where you live, that may not be a great living, or maybe it is, but splitting the money so many different ways makes it very difficult to survive as a band that you have to you have to earn five times as much money as a solo artist is very difficult there's also marketing considerations because as humans we want to follow individuals not groups another example of this is like elon versus tesla the tesla fans aren't following tesla the company they're following elon the person they don't care who like the head of product is at tesla to them like elon is tesla just easier to promote one person than it is to promote four or five people. All of these trends are pointing towards the idea of what Glenn is talking about here as of desktop metal. This is the future. 
That doesn't mean bands are gonna cease to exist. It doesn't mean that bands are bad. The trends have changed. 20 years ago, it was the norm to be in a band that all got in the same room together and played and signed to a label and blah, 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 did all that stuff. But it is a different world now. There is no need. If you want a great drummer, you can just program those drums. You definitely don't need a bassist because a huge number, a, hu a huge number of albums have programmed bass on it anyway. A lot of people don't know that, but it's true. Um, you definitely don't need a bass player. Just program the bass or play it yourself either way. You know, the desktop metal is the future. You have all the tools to make a professional quality recording in your bedroom. Tons of people do it. So the idea of a band is no longer the default, and I don't think it should be. And if you want to be in a band, by all means, do it. But just consider everything I said, and uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of this. I mean, all this like TikTok pop punk is a great example of this. Those would have been bands 20 years ago, but now they're individuals. And when they go on tour, they can find people to play in their band. That's not a problem. Or just use backing tracks, whatever. This is the world we live in now. And I think this idea of like desktop metal this you know, metal is oftentimes kind of behind the trends in a lot of ways, but metal has been ahead of the curve on this one, especially like progressive metal and stuff, because this desktop metal thing has been around for almost 15 years now with people like Misha from Periphery being kind of the template for that. And I expect to see more of it. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think at the end of the day, what it is going to do is allow more people to make a living, a full-time living playing music or come close to that. And I think that's a good thing. I write all the music and stuff in Painted Devils. Shane writes and records all the lyrical content. There you go. I think that's another, another example. This will be duos like that. Um, that he's talking about Shane Smith, the comedian and his band is Painted Devils. I think you'll see a lot of that where you have basically one person who is the guitarist slash producer and then another person who's the vocalist. I think you'll see a lot of that. And I think that's a great template. Honestly, it was kind of disappointing that hearing that Motionless and White never replaced live keys. I remember you making a one-off about live keys being worthless or something, but still I enjoy it more than a backing track. Yeah, I mean, of course, in a perfect world, we would all have like the best band in the world and blah, blah, blah. But if you have to pay for that person, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars to bring that person on this tour. Is it really worth spending thousands of dollars to have live keyboards on a tour, I would say, I would say no. There's more virtuoso instrumentalists today than ever, but the culture is different. So all of those players are not making solo content for the internet as opposed to looking for bands to join. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, the Jason Richardsons and stuff like that of the world, they don't need to join a band anymore. Like they can just have a following of their own. Well, as a drummer, I'm fucked. I don't think that's true either, because there's always going to be, be, be people who want to have live drums. I mean, like Anoop Sastry is a great example of this. He's not in any like full time band, but he's always busy playing and other people's shit, touring like session drums will be a big thing. So I think what you'll see is people writing and programming the drums like in a bedroom studio like this and then sending them to someone like Anoop to re-record. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. 
Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.